0: reason for that. You can't use the word security because it's a state law. So, um, so anybody that would like to volunteer for that, even if you're not on the safety team, we just need some people here to help us direct traffic. And I'm going to be a part of that. The second thing is tomorrow night at province assembly of God, there is the light for the Lost banquet. Um, So if you're, And that was the other thing I forgot to mention this morning. So if you're interested or you want to let people know about the light for the lost banquet tomorrow night at Province Assembly, I'm going to that. I don't have my phone with me. I think it's at 7 o'clock, but I can get my phone and let you know for sure. Um, Because I don't want to give you the wrong time. But uh, it's tomorrow night. That's bad to make an announcement and not know what time it's supposed to be. Great. So... (laughs) Uh, if you if you have any questions after the service, let me get my phone because Jimmy Keith, my presbyter, gave me the times, and I will give you the time. But tomorrow night, Light for the Lost, uh, and, and it'll be at Province Assembly of God here in town. Right? It's in Ardmore, on the other side of Ardmore. Yeah. Okay. Huh? They go by Shed. They go by Shed. Oh. I thought maybe you had to drive by a shed and that's where it was. <laughs> I'm serious. That's what my mind went to. I was like, okay, you got to buy, you know. I'm just kidding. So that's what it's called, the shedded Province. Okay. All right. So uh, those are the two announcements. If you please stand, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. And I'm reminded, I know it's all over the news, but Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. Lord, I pray for those families that lost loved ones and these babies, these precious babies. God, give them victory. You said those that bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel will be cursed. Father, we want to bless Israel. We bless them, bless them, bless them. That's the apple of your eye. Father, we lift up this worship service tonight. We pour out our hearts to you. We lift our eyes to you. Lord, as it says, Lord, that better as one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere we choose to give you praise tonight in Jesus name and everybody said amen
1: good evening I just I want to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart for letting me come in and fill in for Julie it's it's truly been a joy and it's been a pleasure I'm so glad to be able to, to come and sing these older songs and the newer songs with you guys. Um, <clears throat> funny enough, Pastor Israel is, has been on my heart with these songs that, that I picked tonight. Um, as Jesus being their defender, uh, you know, we fight our, he fights our battles for us. Um, so let's just sing, let's, let's bless the name of Jesus, the King of Israel.
2: Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Sing unto the King of Israel. Bless the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Sing to the King of Israel. Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, singing to the King of Israel.
1: standing victorious because because of Jesus because he is our defender he is God is the one that fights our battles he fights for us he tells us just be still and I've got this I've got this all we have to do is not give up that's all we have to do is stand still praise worship bow down and we will see victory if we just don't give up
2: You go before I know that you've even gone to In the presence of my enemies, it's your body and your blood you've shed for me. This is how I find my battle. There's a tale There's a t-
1: And for a headache, we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And when we put on the garment of praise, you're actually having to do something. You're having to take part in praising to get your way out of that deep heaviness, out of that darkness. We just praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you for the victory that you already see right now. And we stand in faith knowing conqueror. You are the great defender of our souls, of your people. It's you. Our victory is in you. We thank you, God. We thank you for all the tools and all the weapons that you give us to overcome. We praise you. We praise you so much and we love you. Prepare our hearts and our minds for the word that you have us tonight. We thank you, Jesus, in your name for your mighty victory.
3: things and I'm the last one you come to am I not God am I not the one who created the heavens and the earth am I not the one who created even the devil himself I did not create him that way originally but he made a choice Turn against me and my kingdom. He's been defeated, and especially on this earth since my son rose from the dead. Mm. Do not worry. Do not fret. Do not fear. How many times do I tell you that in my word? And let and you let and yet you let yourself become anxious. Why? Have I lost my power? Have I lost my ability to be the great God of all creation? What does my word tell you? I am God. I change not. So whatever you face, it may seem insignificant what I tell you to do, like Gideon with 300 men against a multitude of thousands. The battle was the most inconceivable, illogical thing you could think of, but what was not taken into account was it was my plan. It was my design. And with pitchers that had torches in them and ram's horns to blow, they did what I told them to do, and I destroyed thousands of an army. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too difficult for me? Quit talking to me about how big your trial is and how big your problem is and start telling your problem how big I am. Mm. Thank
4: the Lord.
3: Let them know, let that problem know that I am the Lord God Almighty. That I have never lost my power. I never will lose it. And I am always in in charge of the world and all of its uh, goings on and its comings and all of its fightings and all of the things that you see in the turmoil. I'm still God. And because I am God, my children have the right and the privilege and are entitled to believe that I will take care of them regardless of how small or how medium-sized or how big the problem looks. My son is still the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he roars, all of creation comes to a standstill to hear what he has to say. When you take my word and when you speak my word, Understand that it roars throughout the spiritual realms. Not because you're saying it, but because I said it first and you're just repeating what I have told you to say. But my words are powerful because I spoke them. By my word, I spoke this world that you know into existence. By my word, I spoke light into existence. I spoke rain and water. Everything that you know to be natural, I spoke it into existence. I do not change. Trust me. You may have to walk one step at a time. But my apostle told you we walk by faith, not by sight. Trust me and know that I am on your side and that I will bring it to you and I will get the glory from it and I will get the praise from it because it's my work, not yours because I am the Lord your God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
0: Father, we thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a minute just for a second to stay peace before the Lord. Father, forgive us for the times that we have not trusted you. Forgive us for the times that we looked at our problem as bigger than you. Forgive us, Lord, for talking about it too much. We're not trusting you enough. Knowing that you will supply not only all our needs, but you'll take care of us. So, Father, we do that right now. We give it to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting, I know that this was right on. Um, The scripture that kept coming to my mind was Gideon throughout the worship. God is good. All the time. time. God is good. good. All right, well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? I have like an echo or something going on with my mic here. Do you ever get a phone call and you get an echo of your own voice? I don't mind talking, but if I can hear my own voice to myself, it bothers me. <laughs> All right, we're back into the book of James. If you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter 4. Oh, you got it for me, Adonna? Thanks. James chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 tonight. Uh, we're going to kind of recap on a, thing, a few things that we've read in uh, chapter 4, the first few verses So, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to pray. James says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study the book of James, and we're in chapter 4 tonight, I pray, Father, that all of us tonight, including myself, as you said in your prophetic word, that your word is your word. It accomplishes what it was meant to do. We're just the vessels. I'm just the vessel that speaks the word that you've already spoken. Father, I pray that you will speak to each and every single one of us tonight. That you will help us to keep watch and take a look and in inventory of our life and see what things need to change. We want our motives to be right and our attitudes to be right. So we, Lord, we turn to you. Lord, as your vessel, I speak. Only what you want to say, I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. Say what you want to say tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I've just titled the, mission, the, the title tonight pretty, pretty simple, Submission to God. That's basically what James is going to talk about, submitting to God. Uh, you know, submission to God will help us keep our perspective right. It'll help us to stay away from wrong motives and attitudes. Getting your focus on Him and not yourself. So I want to look at the first thing tonight is the battles of the heart. Do you know the enemy is after our heart? He really is. He's after our heart. He wants to steal our heart. He wants to steal our desires. He wants to give us wrong desires. So it's the battles of the heart. Verses 1 through 3 talks about uh, fights and quarrels within the church and they start in the heart. Let's look in verse 1. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle where? Within you. It's something that comes from the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. And out of the heart come vile things, all the bad stuff. It's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. Like one of my favorite churches, bacon, another reason why Jesus loves me. You guys didn't get that. It actually has a big slice of bacon there, and it says bacon, another reason why Jesus loves me. It's not what goes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of you. You can test your fruit by the way you respond to other people. Right? You can test your fruit. and actually, we don't really call that response. We call that reaction. One of my mentors one time told me, stop reacting and start responding. The difference is reacting, you... Immediately respond, react, right? You act out what somebody's done to you or how they've treated you. Response means I take time to think about it, then I react. So fights and quarrels within the church. Remember again, James is speaking to this church that's been scattered, and evidently there was some kind of fighting and quarrel going on with wrong desires and motives within the church. That still happens today. I was reading one of the commentaries and they said, if you think, if we got this higher than uh, we think of the early church, uh, just go back and read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and you'll find out there were all kinds of problems within the church. You look at James, there was quarreling and fighting going on. Paul dealt with it. And the reason why there's quarreling and fighting is because churches are made up of people. And how many of us are imperfect tonight? There's been people in churches I just like, whoop, I'm not saying here, so don't think of that. But there have been times in the church I went, oh, boy, and I've gone the other way. And that's wrong. That's a wrong attitude. Right? I got a few yeps out of that, so maybe God's hitting some things here in the heart. But quarrels and fights, even within your family, they come from the battles that fight within yourself, within your heart. You want something, verse 2, but you don't what? You don't get it. Again, I've shared this the last couple weeks because I've gone to this scripture. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and fight. It all comes back to me, myself, and I. It's what I want, what I'm not getting, and somebody's made me mad. That happens within the church, doesn't it? I want this, and they're not giving it to me, so I'm out of here. They said something that hurt my feelings. That's it. How many of us have ever been offended before? (laughs) Do you know as a pastor, there's been times I've been offended. I went, man, I'm done. Right? And then God says, no, you're not. (laughs) But we do that with the church. People get offended. They get their feelings hurt. And, And a lot of times it's misunderstandings misunderstandings can cause a lot of hurt within the church. There are times I say things that I don't mean to say or maybe I didn't think about how I said it and then it offends somebody. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And so it really, it comes back again to, I got my feelings hurt, I got this done, or this person did this to me, or this didn't turn out the way that I wanted to, and so we get upset. Sometimes it has to do with positions within the church. Why did that person get it and I didn't? Right, yeah. a lot of times it has nothing to do with what's going on with the person. It's just that person stepped up at that moment. Right. It, it just really goes back to our desires within us. Yeah. We fight for things. You know, the disciples did that with Jesus, especially Judas. They thought he was going to restore the kingdom. Then, they thought he was going to overthrow overthrow the Romans. They thought that he was going to become king then because you've got to understand, in the Jewish mindset, they don't look at the Messiah the same way you and I do. They see the Messiah, they don't see him as deity. They don't see him as God. They see him as a ruler that's going to rule. You and I do. We look at Jesus as what? The Son of God as God. But they looked at him even today. Jews don't look at the Messiah the same way we do. And the Jews that get saved, it's because the Lord reveals himself to them. But they look like he's just going to be a leader. That's why when this Antichrist comes, which I think we're getting really close, they're going to be looking for a leader to rule them, to bring peace and stability and security. So again, we've got to look at this as battles that are fighting within our own hearts. So the disciples, again... They thought Jesus was going to restore it, and then they got angry, right? Judas got angry. He got upset, so that's why he turned Jesus over to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because Jesus didn't do what he thought he should. You know what the biggest problem with all of us is? We let our agendas get in the way of God's agenda. We let our agenda get in the way of God's agenda. We need to say, okay, God, what's your agenda for my life? In fact, hold your spot here. Well, we're already there, so. look, This is not in our scriptures tonight, but look at verse 13. James 4, 13. James says, now listen, and we'll look at this next week. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen to you tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The important thing is, God, what is your will in this situation? What's your will in my life? What's your will for this church? You know, God's got a will for this church. He really does. We're just a part of the body. God wants to use that church down the street and this church to reach certain people group, to reach people for the gospel. I had one person say to me, what's your mission statement? I said, Matthew 28, 19. That's the church's mission statement. Think about that for a minute. What is the Great Commission? So again, going back to this, We kill and we covet because we're not getting what we want. Now understand, when you're looking at me tonight, I'm just preaching what God has already said in his word. So if I get daggers tonight, point it up there. I'm just the spokesman. (laughs) There are times when I preach and I can tell. I had one guy one time, I was preaching a message. This was was that New Life up in Tulsa. And I preached about sin. I don't know why God laid it on my heart that night about drinking and partying and all that stuff. And after the service came up, he goes, you've been following me. (laughs) And I said, what? He said, you've been driving around town following me. I said, why would I follow you? I've only known you for about two weeks. Why would I follow you? I said, first of all, I have a job. I'm at, you know, I was working for Tulsa County. I said, I can't even follow you around. He goes, well, you've been naming off all the things that I've been doing. I said, that's not me following you. It's the Lord following you. So when God's word speaks, it can be hard. James is a hard book. James pulls no punches. In fact, I called this series one time Pulling No Punches because James just says how it is. But God put that there for a reason to get us to change. So fights or quarrels within the church start in the heart, and there's a battle within. Look what Galatians five seventeen says: For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Notice, spirit is capitalized. That means the Holy Spirit. Your flesh and flesh fights against the Holy Spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, so you are not to do whatever you want. That's a different translation. I like the NIV a little bit better on that. So what he what he's saying, there's a battle that goes on. In fact, hold your spot. This is not in my notes, but go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Now, there's a lot of debate on this scripture. <clears throat> and we're going to look at verse 14, verses 14 through 25. Um, now, there's a lot of debate on this scripture. Some believe this was before Paul was converted. Others believe it was after he was converted. I, you know, I kind of leave it open, but I, I honestly believe it was afterwards because how many of us in our walk with God still struggle with things? So Paul says here in verse 14, Romans seven fourteen, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. What he's saying there is that when you look at the law and you try to live by the law, it doesn't matter how hard you try to be a good person, you aren't good enough, right? Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, he was on the radio the other day, and I just love, when he's on, I turn everything else off, right? And I remember a sermon he did. He said he was speaking about the flesh and the law, and he was talking about, how our flesh wants to violate the law. Now, the law was there to point us to what? Sin, right? To point us that we are sinners. We can't get to heaven on our own. And he was was talking about one time he was walking by and he saw a sign that said wet. It was a bench and it said, wet paint, don't touch. Mm -hmm. He said, what do you think I did? He went and he did what? (laughs) Touch it. Why do we do that? Well, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they rebelled against God. There's a rebellious part in our flesh. And there's we're, we're born into rebellion and sin. So there's a part of us that just, and I still do that. Oh, it's wet. No, don't do it. Yes, but it's wet paint, right? And what's the first thing you do? Touch. Don't walk here. One of the temptations of people, when I, when I was in the Air Force, we... Poured concrete. And one of the temptations of guys was they wanted to put their finger in the concrete after we just trailed it. Well, what's the worst thing you can do to concrete after you've trailed it? Somebody walks on it, steps on it, because it's there permanently. And and it dries quickly and it's hard to get it out. Again, there's that part of our flesh. So he says this in verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17. And it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in, within my members. What a wretched man I am. And that's all of us. That's all of us. How many of us could say I am a wretched man or woman? Right, I meant woman because there's women here. I'm not a wretched man and woman. You understand that, right? (laughs) I had to clarify that because we live in a day. Never mind. You get it. Verse 24. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Remember, the old flesh is not redeemed. Your flesh is not redeemed. My flesh is not redeemed. And if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, which I believe he will, my body's gonna go into a grave because it's not redeemed. My spirit man is, but not my flesh. That's why in Galatians 5, 17, it says the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so so you do not do what you want. Right? And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. But thank goodness... Here is an answer to our problem. He says, what a wretched man man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Now Romans 8, look at this. Now understand, in the original language, they did not use the word therefore. We put that there. So when you read it, get rid of, therefore, and put there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That means that we who, who is whom the Son sets free is free what? Indeed. You're free. Do I mess up sometimes? Yes, I do. But hallelujah, God has set me free. So going back to the desires within the church, they were allowing their flesh to win the battle. They were allowing their evil desires to win the battle. Let's go back to, to James here. So the battle, again, is with the flesh, or what we would call... The lust of the flesh. Remember those three areas? Adam and Eve were tempted in those. I preached on it not too long ago. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Remember, you'll be like God. Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. She saw the fruit. And once she saw it, it looked desirable to the eye. She partook of it. Those three areas, Satan still attacks us in. Right? He attacked Jesus in it. Remember when he was tempted in the desert? Those three areas. Satan still attacks all of us in the same three areas. You want to know what my desire of the flesh is? Diet Pepsi. All right, I'll be real. Diet Pepsi. I like food. Pumpkin pie. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, I got Terry's like, yeah, pumpkin pie. Yeah, ice cream. See, everybody's naming off the lusts of the flesh. We're, we're having confession time tonight. <laughs> We all have those areas. It's okay to have pumpkin pie. But when I eat too much of it, right? When I was, well, I, don't, I can't say because I shared this this morning. I, I don't know if I ever grew, but when I was at that growing stage as a boy, I ate like a horse. And I would eat so much I couldn't sleep at night. We call that gluttony. So the battle is with the flesh, the lust of the flesh. So how do we overcome the desires of the flesh? 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets what? The prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like, a, like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. So here the Apostle Paul is writing about himself. He's speaking to the Corinthians One of the things about the Corinthians, they had a problem with sexual addiction. Yeah, we can talk about that in church because it's in the Bible. They had a problem with it. They had five temples to the God of Athena. And they had sexual prostitutes there. And they would go to worship their God by having sex with somebody. And so in the early church, Paul had to deal with a lot of these issues. And so Paul is saying, listen, he's telling them, you can overcome this by the power of God that lives within you. And how you do it is discipline. And the power of God, there's other ways. We're going to look at some other things tonight. But the number one he talks about is he says, I strike a blow to my body. Now, he didn't physically go hit his body. But what he was telling himself and telling his body was what? No. No. I, I, I got to have one more piece of pie. No, you don't. You're diabetic, right? My grandpa and grandma were diabetic. My my grandma passed away from diabetes. She was type 1. My Uncle Terry passed away from type 1. It's learning to say no to the sugar. Do you know what the number one addiction in America, we don't talk about it, is sugar. Sugar is the number one addiction in America. Corn, uh, uh, Corn syrup, it's horrible for you. Yeah, but it sure does taste good, doesn't it? Again, there's the flash, right? right? Another one of mine. I love licorice. Black, red. You know, and if I eat one, I'll eat a whole pack. Stacy had to take it from me. She'll literally, because she don't like the sound of me chewing. Anybody do that with your spouse? <laughs> you know? My wife will literally take things from me. Well, The other night, I've got to tell you, this, she, I'm going to get in trouble because she's probably going to watch this. But we're sitting down eating, and I'm eating some chips. Well, my nose is plugged. So I'm kind of eating with my mouth open, and I'm watching a movie. And she's like, do you have to eat with your... I don't know what that has to do with this tonight, but anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Sometimes my brain goes off in a whole bunch of different directions. But Paul, what Paul is saying here is we need to discipline our bodies. The word disciple means discipline. You've heard me share that. That's where we get our root, that root word from. Look at Galatians 5, 16. Here's number two. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I like the New Living Translation. The NIV says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the NLT, New Living Translation, I like the way it says it. Listen to this. Let the Holy Spirit do what? Guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature require or craves. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and control your life. And you have to let Him. You have to give in to that. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do those things in your life. And it's not always easy. That's why start your day being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think I've shared with you, and I'm going to share with you again, but one time I was struggling with this. Um, getting frustrated, irritated with my kids, and I love them, but, you know, when they're fighting and they're doing things, you get frustrated, and then you lose your cool, and I, I hate doing that. And I remember going to the church there in Abernathy, and I'm just frustrated, and I'm praying, and I, I'd go out and I'd walk. I'd walk up the creek because we had Abernathy Creek, and I'd walk two miles and go for my walk with my weighted vest, and I'd talk to God. And I remember the Lord saying, reminding me of that creek. And he said, you know, at the time it was summertime and it gets dry there in the summer. And the creek was barely running. And I saw grass growing and branches in there. And I just felt like the Lord said, what causes that grass to go and what causes those branches to be moved? I said, the flow of the water. And he goes, that's how it is with my spirit. When you get filled with my spirit and you pray in the spirit and you pray in your prayer language and you spend time with the Lord and you spend time in worship, I begin to wash all that stuff out. And I fill you up with strength. So I'm thinking, okay, God, is this really you? Did I just hear this? Anybody ever do that? You pray and you're like, was that really the Lord or was that me? Aren't you glad you got a pastor that does the same thing you do? So I, I, get, in the, I get in the car right after I got done praying. It was time for me to go home. And... Uh, And I get in the car, and Alan Jackson was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and how to overcome the desires of the flesh. Guys, start your day off in prayer and worship. And God, that doesn't mean your day is going to be perfect, but ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and He'll do it. God, fill me with strength. Give me power. Give me anointing. Right? The key is being, again, filled with the Spirit and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. I should have just kept it there. It's funny how I go ahead of my notes here sometimes. Romans chapter 8. I want to talk about this a little bit. Romans 8. Let's let's read here real quick. Again, our translations are our Bibles. We'll use the word therefore. But the original language says, there is now no condemnation. I like the way that sounds. That sounds so much better. For those who are in Christ Jesus, verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spiritual life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Let's stop there for a minute. Remember Paul. Paul was... uh, He was trained in the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew this stuff. And he realized even all those years that he was a Pharisee, he could not live up to perfection. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't perform enough. He couldn't work hard enough. But now that he's been saved and set free, he realizes that God has set him free. In fact, the scripture says that you and I, inside, we have been set free from sin. You know what the difference between the world and us is? And Scripture says this. The world is still under sin. We've been delivered from sin. We just choose to sin. Now, the world chooses to sin too. But what I'm saying is we have the right. We have the the power within us to say no to what? To sin. Now, are we going to make mistakes sometimes? Are we going to sin? Yes. Does that mean our life's free from sin? No. But what it says is we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to say no to what? Sin. Believe me, I tell myself every time I go for a Diet Pepsi. I'm only saying that because that's not good stuff for you. I've been told it's not good for you. So I'm trying to work on that. They say it's hard on your kidneys and stuff. But going on, look at this. I want to look at this, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that what? Nature desires. They have their minds set on those things. So... If you live according to the sinful nature, you're going to die. And that's not just physical, that means spiritual. But if you have your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're going to live. And he says that. Look at verse 6. The mind of the sinful man is what? Death. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. We call those carnal Christians. Now I believe he's also talking about people that aren't saved at all here. But there are Christians that are carnal Christians. If we're fighting within the church, and I'm not saying that's going on here, understand. I'm just preaching what James is saying. But if we're fighting because we're not getting what what we want within the church and we get offended and upset then that means we're acting out carnality. Right. We're being a carnal Christian. Right. So where is your mindset? Where's your thoughts? Who do you have your mind focused on? Verse 9, you have, I like this. He tells them, he's speaking to these Roman Christians. He says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And then he says this, if the Spirit of God lives in you, that's a good question to ask people. Paul says to examine yourself to see if you're in the truth, right? So if you're, if you're controlled by the Spirit and not by the sinful nature, that means God lives in you and you belong to Christ. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Okay, there you go, right? Even though we're saved, our body's still dead to sin. It's still going to go in that grave. Unless God raises you from the dead. Do you know those people that get raised from the dead, they still eventually die again? The only death that we're not going to see is when the rapture happens. And I speak about that all the time. You're going to get tired of me talking about it. One of these days, you're going to be like, oh, pastor, I'm not tired about it now. Right? I think it's going to happen. I'm excited about it. Can I share something? You do not have to be afraid of the rapture. You don't have to be afraid of it. If you're born again, you're going to go. Right? You're going to go. What happens if I make a mistake and the rapture happens? Or I get mad in traffic? Does that mean I'm going to be left behind? No. We've made it to where, man, if you, if you just sneeze the wrong way, you're out of the kingdom. That's not the way it works. In the old days, if you played cards, you're out of the kingdom. Whoops, I've played spades. (laughs) What's that going to do for me, right? That's not the way it works. So, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Hallelujah. You are the righteousness of Christ. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you which means that he's going to give you the power to say no to your flesh right man I got a few amens out of that <laughs> I'm only doing that on purpose because I want you to get the picture of this we can have victory in this life you got an eating disorder you, you struggle with eating God can give you victory over that. Your tongue is a part of the flesh. God, help me with... You know, one time I said, God, help me bite my tongue. You know, one time I literally bit my tongue. She said she's done that. Be careful what you pray for. I did. I bit my tongue and it bled and it swelled up. Be careful what you ask for. That's a true story. That really happened. Verse 12, look at this. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation... But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will what? Die. Who's he speaking to here? Who's his audience? They're Christians. He is not speaking to unbelievers here. He's speaking to Christians. That's theologically correct. And he says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will what? Die. Die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will what? Live. Notice he says, put to death the deeds, misdeeds of the body. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If, if, if you're led by God's Spirit, God's leading you, confirming things, man, that's a confirmation of your relationship with God. Yes, if people say, well, you know, you know, I got saved years ago, am I really... Well, is God confirming things in your life? Is He leading you? Is He guiding you? Are you listening to Him? Are you watching Him? God will confirm things. You'll get those impromptus in the Spirit. Verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, the word Abba's Daddy, Father. Hallelujah. Guys, when you get saved, he takes away that fear of death. He takes away that fear and now you can call him daddy. Do you ever go into your prayer room and say, "Daddy, I love you?" You've been adopted. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Again, James is dealing with the flesh, and we're talking about how do we overcome the desires of the flesh, those desires that battle within us, those wrong motives. God deals with you on them. He'll speak to you. He'll convict you about it. He'll speak from the pulpit about it. I'll give you one story one time, I think I remember getting upset and angry because God hadn't moved me into full-time ministry yet. and I was angry with God. And we had left Eastgate Assembly. My daughter was just born and and I kind of got anybody getting you wallowing your pity? You're mad and you're upset. Well, I went to Broken Arrow Assembly and I was just mad, just hanging out there. And one of the guys that was teaching the youth group, he was the youth pastor of the church there at the assembly in Broken Arrow. He has no idea. And one of these days, I ran into him just recently at the PKMK camp up here. He has no idea that God was using him. We had done Berean school, the Bible classes together, and now here he is. He's he's the youth pastor of a, a youth group of 300 students, and I'm still working at Tulsa County, barely making it, living in an apartment, bivocational, in a small little church, frustrated with God because I'm not full-time, and I'm sitting out there just having a pity party in the in the hallway, and he's preaching about covetousness and jealousy and, and not getting what you want, and And then he literally said, and why hasn't God put me in full-time ministry yet? God will get your number wherever you're at. And I remember just fuming, getting angry. And it wasn't him that I was mad at. I was mad at God because God was calling me on the carpet. Well, then a few weeks later, and you've heard this story. I was still mad at God. I didn't go to church. I took a few weeks off. I was mad. I was credentialed. Pastor, I'm not going to church. <laughs> one Sunday, I just have this, you know how the Holy Spirit works. You need to go to Believer's Church this weekend. I don't want to go, Lord. You need to go to Believer's Church. I said, okay. I said, Stacy, we need. God, I feel like we we're supposed to go to Believer's Church today. So we go to Believer's Church, and one of their staff pastors was preaching that day, and he goes, he's preaching them on stage. 1 Timothy chapter 3 on, on the characters, uh, traits of a pastor. And he starts nailing off these things. And he goes, maybe the reason why you're here today and you're mad at God is he hasn't put you into full time. Maybe it's because of some of these character issues that you haven't got figured out yet. <laughs> and I finally, they had an altar call. And I remember the conviction and going forward and repenting about it and, God has to straighten our attitudes out sometimes, right? But when you're, the, when you're a child of God, God will lead and direct. He'll speak. He'll correct. He'll rebuke. And it doesn't always feel good, even with the flesh. When you're acting out in the flesh and maybe you're in the church, I don't know if we have those issues here. I don't know. I don't know your heart. But maybe you're like, why isn't this happening for me? Why am I not involved here? Why isn't somebody using me here? Well, maybe you need to ask God you ever ask God, maybe that's not the right time. Maybe it's not the right position. Because we could be in a position that we're not gifted in. I'm telling you right now, I am so glad I'm not a worship leader. I've told Julie that. I, can't, I, can, I can keep a tune a little bit, but I can't keep a beat. I don't know if you, I got her out of her clap earlier. And you have to have good rhythm and beat and have a good voice and That's not me. That's not what God's called me to do. I wanted to do that as a kid, but that's not what God wanted me to do. My dream was also to be a pilot. I get motion sickness. I found that out by going fishing out on the sea. So God has better things for us than what we have for ourselves. Let's go on here. We're a little over. If we can't get this done tonight, we can go next week. I want to look real quick at the adultery of the heart. There's the battles of the heart, and then those battles are the adultery of the heart. James calls these things, these believers adulterous. Look, look down farther with me. Look in verse 3. He says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. God is literally calling these people adulterous because they're setting an idol up of a position or whatever it was that they were fighting about within the church. And we can make idols out of things. You know, we have a problem, and I've shared this with you before. We, we make idol people out of idols. We make them into idols. I haven't watched football for so long. One, I don't get cable. I can't afford it. But when I do, I just realize I used to get so ingrained in this and so upset and so angry when my team wouldn't win. What does it matter? It's a pride issue. I don't make their kind of money. And then you make an idol out of whoever's playing the game. And all they're doing is throwing a, what a Jew would say is pigskin around them. You know, they're just throwing a football around. And yet they're making millions of dollars. And yet we make them in the idols. God says we're not supposed to have any idol. So what caused these people to commit adultery against the Lord? Covetousness. Covetousness. The word covet here comes from the Greek word, and I'm not going to try to say it, and it means a, to burn with zeal, to be heated, or to boil with envy, hatred, or anger. To desire earnestly, to pursue, to desire one earnestly, to strive after. Busy oneself about him. That's their definition. I I like the Webster Dictionary defines what covetousness is so that we understand a little better. It's discontent or uneasiness at the sight of another's excellence or good fortune, accompanied with some degree of hatred and a desire to possess equal advantages, malicious grudging, It means I want what they have and I'll do whatever it takes to get what they have. They got a nice house. Man, I'd like to have their nice house, right? So you start conniving and mingling. I, I want their position. Work, right? Why did they get promoted to supervisor and not me? that's covetousness these people again were covetousness of each other they wanted something that the other person got they wanted something that they couldn't have Deuteronomy 5:21 the last of the 10 commandments you understand that the 10 commandments is the two greatest commandments that Jesus wrote love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as your what self The first four deal with God, the next six deal with people. He says, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, you must not covet your neighbor's house or your land, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your what? Neighbor. That belongs to them, right? That belongs to them. The major source of quarrels and conflict in the church centers in a desire for recognition, honor, power, pleasure, money, and superiority. The sanctification of selfish desires becomes more important than righteousness and God's will. When this happens, self-centered conflicts are created in the fellowship. Those responsible show themselves to be controlled by the sinful nature rather than by the spirit. The Life in the Spirit Bible Commentary. We're going to look at this next week. Their covetousness is, I spelled there, it should have been T-H-E-I-R, but sorry. Their covetousness is idolatry. So when we covet something that somebody else has, we're actually committing idol worship against the Lord. We're committing spiritual adultery. So we'll look at that next week. Um, everybody feel good now? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, God's work can be tough. But it's good for us. Yes, it is. Now, whether we have those issues or not, that's okay. But there's times in our life when that, those things can happen. And the wonderful thing about God's word, it never gets old. You always learn something new about the word of God. That's true. Right? Amen. If you're not, you need to read it more. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I love you guys. I'm not trying to beat up on you. You understand that? This is James' words. This is God's word. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for all those that came tonight. I thank you for the privilege that you've given me to stand behind this pulpit, Lord. And I take that with all humility. Lord, we're a team. There's no one more person more important than the other. We're a team here tonight. Father, we want to see those things that build up your kingdom. We want to work together as a team. God, we don't want to put one position above another position. Instead, Father, we want to lift up the kingdom of God and your son. So, Father, as we leave tonight, we're entering our mission field. Father, sheep get sheep. Give each sheep here tonight, because we're all your sheep. Give each of these sheep of yours, because they're your sheep. You're the great shepherd. Give them divine appointments this week. Speak through them and fill them with your Holy Spirit to give them words to share the gospel with others. Lord, let them plant seed. Let them water seed. And, Lord, let them harvest a seed by sharing the gospel and leading them to Christ. I pray that right now. Bless them, protect them, and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great night. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you.